Well, and and also you wouldn't have to go see the Louvre because you saw it in Passport to Paris. So I saw a, a perfect rendition. rendition. Yes, yeah. perfect rendition. That's exactly like if I go to the Louvre and <laughs> and it doesn't look exactly like that movie, <laughs> <laughs> and the paintings don't start like flying off the walls, <laughs> then I will ask for a refund. I will riot. <laughs> You're listening to Growing Up Millennial, a podcast about all that media in the 90s and the early aughts that we know and love. I'm Adri, one of your hosts and a geriatric millennial that grew up in an island. That you are. And I'm Helene, the other host of this wonderful podcast, a quintessential millennial, a bright and bushy-eyed 30-year-old born in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) who made it my identity because isn't that what all millennials do? I feel like that's what all millennials do. With all our emojis and GIF reactions. (laughs) Right. There are things we will hold on to till we die, like our side parts and our skinny jeans. You cannot take them from us. Yeah. Yeah. Although I am wearing boyfriend jeans today, but I feel like that's still pretty millennial. Boyfriend jeans are the only other jeans I will wear other than skinny jeans. (laughs) Well, I mean... Although I I do like a little bit of a flare, like a seventies look, you know. Mm, but it has I can't to be, but it has to be like a specific outfit for it, you know. Like I can't just wear it with everything else that I got. Like I, yeah, there has to be like a specific top with it and like wedge heels mm-hmm. or something like cool like that. But that's about it. Yeah, I feel like my I feel like my legs are too short because I, I if I had longer legs, I think I would like flare jeans better or how I look in them better okay under yeah understandable you do have to have a pretty like like longer legs for that kind of look I feel like yeah I, th- I always yeah. felt like my legs looked awkward in flare yeah and, and yet we wore those stupid like <laughs> knee shorts you know the Bermuda shorts yeah yes yeah. thank you stupid knee shorts <laughs> <laughs> Their God-given name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fire Anna Wintour, I'm the head, a new head of Vogue. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, she, did you see that? This last week she uh, fired, like, the Pitchfork staff. No, I don't really keep yeah. up on Anna Wintour news. Well, so uh, Anna Wintour is now basically the head of, like, all those magazines under that umbrella. Okay. That Vogue is under, and Pitchfork was one of those. And she fired everyone. Just like went in, fired everyone, peaced out. Like a like a power trip, or just for no, just like hey, we're going under. You're you're all fired. Bye. Oh, okay, went under. Okay, that that makes sense. That stinks for them. Yeah, and then and then now there's like a whole like Condé Nast, I think, worker strike. Mm. And Anne Hathaway walked out of a photo shoot the moment the strike <laughs> was out. Was what like, a queen. What a queen. I don't get the Anne Hathaway hate, guys, because she is and forever will be the princess of Genovia to me. And she is wonderful. That's it. <laughs> Agreed. I love her so much. 
I will watch her in any movie, especially the funny ones, because her comedic timing is chef's kiss perfect. Yes, she is my princess of Princess Diaries. <laughs> my queen, even, of Genovia. <laughs> you know who else is queen? Chris Pines. Chris Pine? Yes. I'm a pine nut. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I feel Are you like excited? I am so excited. For this our is first of- ever annual, first the annual gummies. Gummy Awards. Oh, first, oh my goodness. Uh, okay, first, I, I think we could call it like first seasonal Gummy Awards or the Gummies for short, like the Oscars, yeah. Oscars, you know, because yeah, I feel like we should do one of these as a wrap up for every season. Yeah, I agree. I just annual just sounded more official, like like what they like you know the ninety sixth annual Oscar Academy Awards. Well, they call okay, it Academy but Awards, but like, but our seasons are not a year, so technically, you know, <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Fine, seasonal. Just, just uh, leave it to the person <laughs> with the neurodivergence to be stuck on the fucking details and not like the general <laughs> picture. You know. Yes. Well. Well, listeners, you're in for a treat this episode because we are having our first ever seasonal gummy awards. <laughs> or the gummies, as I now have baptized them. Yes, the gummies. And Can't why wait, gummies, wait all you may gummies. ask. Yeah. <laughs> why gummies, you may ask? Because when we were creating the handles for this very podcast, growing up millennials sounded a little bit like a bit of a mouthful for me and also like, you know, typing all that shit. You know, so growing up millennial, G-U-M. And then I was like, you know what? Gum. Hmm. Gummy sounds better. And so we became a gummy pod everywhere. (laughs) Yes, I love it. And we've talked about this before, I think off mic, maybe on mic. I don't know. But it reminds me of the of the jelly shoes and stuff that were oh so popular in our childhood. So I think it just fits perfectly. It just it's just fits like. Gummy bears were also very popular. Gummy bears are having a renaissance. They never went away from me. I was going to say, I, I was always but, a gummy yeah. bear girl. <laughs> Speaking of which, there's this store that I don't, I don't know if I've told you about this, called Lolly and Pops. It's a candy store. I, I, it's, a, it's a nationwide franchise. You might even have that in Minneapolis. That's so it's called Lolly and Pops, and they make their own gummy bears. Like, mm. it's not like... Haribo or whatever. So yeah. you, you buy them by the pound, obviously, and they have chocolate and all the good stuff too. But the gummy bears are the standout mm. of Lolly and Pops because they're yeah. so soft and flavorful and good. Like, ugh. Yeah. If we're getting on a gummy bear tangent, I will say growing up in Davenport, Iowa, which is where I grew up, they have this ice cream chain called Whitey's. I know that's mm-hmm. a weird name. But they have this black magic, I call it. I I refer to it as black magic all the time. Um, This ice cream called, it's gummy bear ice cream. And they literally have little tiny mini gummy bears in like, I don't even know what the flavor of ice cream is. It's white, but it's amazing. And somehow, even though it's ice cream, the gummy bears are always soft. They never get hard. It is black magic. I don't know how they do it, but it is my favorite ice cream. Okay. What would happen if you let the ice cream melt? Would the gummy bears melt or would they retain their shape? They, re- they retain their shape. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Black magic. It's amazing. You're right. Yeah. I, my, my friend Rex and I, we, we always go to Whitey's whenever we go home to visit. 
and because he's he's also left town since we graduated high school and there was one time we were there and we went to we went to three different whiteys trying to, to find, try to find ice cream <laughs> yeah and it turns out that they had switched out uh the gummy bear for a, a seasonal ice cream at the time it came back it wasn't gone but the dedication to the gummy bear ice cream is real okay if you're ever so. in the quad cities go to whiteys and if you ever go to whiteys grab some gummy bear ice cream i promise you will not disappoint I feel like now this is bucket list material for me. Do you know, Helene? You know, yeah. And if you're there, you might as well go to ta- uh, to Happy Joe's and grab a taco pizza because that's also the best thing in the world. Okay. Wow. The Midwest <laughs> never ceases to amaze me. It's amazing. It's great. So that was our gummy <laughs> tangent. All right. Well, welcome to the first seasonal gummy awards or the gummies Yay! as we call them. I'm of so course, excited. if you've been if you've been listening this season, you know that this season has been all about Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen, and we watched ten count them ten movies for this yeah. season. Nine if you're Helene. Yes, yeah, <laughs> some of us. <laughs> Call me out right at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> we have to be honest with our audience, Helene. Okay. Yes, listeners, I did I did not I was sick when Adri um I was not lying. I I was sick when Adri and Seth um recorded their episode on it's it takes two from last week. Uh I just I I listened to their episode recapping the movie, but I did not actually end up watching the movie. So call me out. <laughs> I just I'm very sad that you didn't get to watch It Takes Two, but it's okay. I will. It's just you, it, you will I, eventually. Yeah, yeah, I will. And I have seen it at many, 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 many years ago, but I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> you were probably still in diapers, Helene. This this is a 1995 movie. Yeah, I'm just gonna say from your when I listen to your episode recapping it, I'm I just think of it as as the Parent Trap with actual twins. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, but. But the parents weren't like you know divorced and like it's to yeah, me it's, it's actually unrealistic. <laughs> How is it, two identical strangers is so unrealistic? Well, okay, that's unrealistic. But how unrealistic is it that two parents just like split the babies and like continue their life? I mean, at least they're just not two random strangers that look exactly the same. At least there was like logic no, behind but the fact that they but were related. But there's such a thing as a doppelganger, though. Yeah, but these are identical twins. I don't think any doppelganger is look exactly like your identical twin. You know what I mean? Oh, you might be surprised. Well, this is a conversation for another time. I have, I have, yeah. I have the receipts. I have. Uh, there's pictures of people that look pretty Ooh. identical, if you ask me. But well, send me those receipts because I am interested. <laughs> All right. So, as any awards show, we have our categories. Yes, we do. And uh, we will leave, as as it should, you know, the best movie category for last. Yes. As, as, as all the, as uh, professionals in the industry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Save best for last. Save the best for, sure. for last. All right. But that being said, Helene, will you please introduce our first category? Yes, our first category, we will be discussing, this is kind of like a, a 
combo category, we're going to be discussing our favorite Mary-Kate characters and our favorite Ashley characters. And then, spoiler alert, the next category is least favorite Mary-Kate characters and least favorite Ashley characters. (laughs) So, listeners, we are probably going to have different answers on each one of these categories. Mm. We might have the same. We will find out. Let's begin. My best Mary Kate, my favorite Mary Kate character was Amanda from It Takes Two. What was yours? Well, do you want to elaborate at all? Well, I mean, sure, I guess. <laughs> so Amanda was my, Amanda was my favorite because, like, she's like this spunky kid with like a smart mm-hmm. mouth, and like was always giving Diane shit and Roger shit. And that's like my favorite mm-hmm. kind of character is like a spunky, like, like yeah, character that is not afraid to fight for right. her rights to party. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just remind me. So Amanda was the one that was in the orphanage, right? She was the correct. One that, Amanda was, was in the, the orphanage. She was the popper of the Prince and popper situation. Cor- exactly. Okay. Correct. Got it. <laughs> cool. Cool. She, yeah. <laughs> and she was like, like always giving the other kids shit. And like, she had a smart mouth and like, she was great at sports. Dream. Yes, love it. <laughs> well, you know, except the part about sports that yeah, yeah. I, did I was going to say I said little Adrian, little Adrian. You said the part about sports, and I was like, I spoke too soon. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you picked a character that you can kind of relate to in a way. If I don't say, if I say so myself, uh huh. You know, uh-huh. I did not go that route. <laughs> <laughs> I went with Shane from the challenge. So for those who don't remember, Shane was the the like hippie of the two. We had the uptight Lizzie. You had the one and, that like, looked the stoned the entire time? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, the one that was stoned the entire time. I picked Shane because, I don't know, dude, she had this good vibe and she was very chill and loved people and like, except for her sister and like just she she wanted to change the world she had big plans to like make the world a better place and you know i can admire that i i I, okay. I think that she was a bad a badass bitch for that i like that yeah no i chose mine based on just how much and en- like how entertaining the character was not right. anything else Right, that's fair. I feel like if if I had to, if I picked the one that was like closest to me, I probably would have gone with with Mary Kate's character, or sorry, from Ashley's character in Winning London, which I'm blanking on her name right now. Not Chloe, but the other one, Riley. I am I blanking as well. So we will con- uh, continue. Yes, I think I think it was Riley, but yes. Okay, so who was your? But you you we're talking about Ashley now. Sorry. What yes. was your favorite Ashley character? Because uh, we have not gotten there yet. We're just uh, talking about Mary Kate. Yes, I don't think this will be a surprise to anyone. For anyone who listened to our Win in Rome episode, mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't much to love about that movie, but there was one thing that I loved more than anything, and that was Layla. And of course, Layla of was an icon. I still stand by the fact that she she very possibly could be a queer icon. They don't ever address her sexuality explicitly in the movie, but, you know, all she does is like consistently turn down the one guy that expressed any interest in her. And I think that, that's, she's pretty badass. 
she she's there because she she wants to follow her dreams, become a photographer. She wants to work in fashion and she is a career girl. And I love her for that. Yeah. I mean, she could still be like, you know, not quoted, not queer, but I agree with you. She could be. Yeah. I think it's arguable. But, but not necessarily because she like keeps shooting down like her only love interest. I feel like, you know, if you, if you, you can shoot down whoever you want. But, of course, but, of course, of course, yeah. But I like that she was driven. I agree. Um, my For me, my favorite Ashley character was Allison from Passport to Paris. I just, I loved, I loved her. She's so, yeah. she's so cute in that movie. Yeah. Yes. They were, they were kind of, so like I feel like Passport to Paris, they were very much kind of like a blob of a, like they were both, they were they were kind of indistinguishable. Like they they were very much the same person, kind of. Yeah, I they for Passport to Paris, they really try to like do the like unified sister front, and like when yeah. you consider that switching goals came out that same year, right? You're like, oh, I see why. Like it's because in switching goals, they're so polar opposites that it had right. like if not, you were going to be releasing the same movie twice only in Paris <laughs> right yeah I think and I feel like as their movies went on and as the years went on their characters got more and more different from each other for sure okay now least favorite Mary-Kate character please I went with Chloe from Winning London because she gets better at the end <laughs> but she is such a wet blanket like all I could think of was that scene where she like Riley is trying to get her to go explore the city and she's just like, no, we have to, we have study. to study and we have to study. And it's like, she gets mad at, at Riley because, you know, Chloe just wants to win all the time. And she's just so focused on being the best that she like, doesn't realize that, you know, you can have fun. Um, and yeah. I, and I like her, I like her arc, but she's definitely like the least likable to me, I think. Uh, for me, it's Charlie from When in Rome, because like between the whole espresso debacle and <laughs> upon meeting Paolo, she's like, and I'm impressed <laughs> when he's like the least impressive guy, right? You know, being like, nah, please don't. don't I will do this say she me. has she has the worst ca- uh, taste in men. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, who is your least favorite Ashley character? I ended up, I, I this one was hard for me because honestly, I was looking through all of the different options and Ashley, I think, played overall the better of the two twins in almost every movie. Mm-hmm. But I did end up going with Abby from Our Lips Are Sealed because she blabbed about Sheila's relationship to the popular girls. And okay. she, it's just, she's a gossip and it was not cool. And it, it was like a major violation of girl code. And I just think that she needs to work on being able to, Keep her mouth shut. Well, my least favorite character was Emma from Switching Goals because it was very, like, ditzy, like, kind of, like, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't very empowering. Like, it was very, like, oh, I broke a nail. Hey, let's, Mm -hmm. like, let's chat. And I know that was part of, like, the dad influence on her, but still, nah, did not love. Yeah. Overall. At least she, she doesn't. She does empower her sister to like talk to the girl, the guy she likes, and like go after what yeah. she wants. 
So that was good. But, but yeah, it just it seemed to me like it, it's for me, like both of those characters, like I do like the movie. I still have fond memories of the, of watching this movie when I was young. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. of all her characters, to me, that was like the most cartoonish. Yeah, it that was doesn't very... mean I hate her. That doesn't mean I hate yeah. it. It just means like it's the most like uninspiring to me, let's just say. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like a very like a caricature of femininity for yeah. sure. All right. So speaking we're of, headed towards we're I was headed say, towards speaking of switch, switching goals. <laughs> we're headed towards the parental units in which we have mom of the year, dad of the year, and uh not so great parents. Okay, so I am looking at our mom of the year and dad of the year. <laughs> Have you seen? <laughs> yes, I've seen. I just seen. We are in complete agreement in both categories. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's illuminate the listeners, please. Right. So as I, I was trying to make a, a smooth transition before, but speaking of switching goals, we both put Denise from Switching Goals as our Mom of the Year choice, and I think it's obvious to each of us why we did that. But Adri, do you want to explain to the listeners why? Okay. <laughs> First of all, when we meet Denise, she is an icon giving out like fortunes and popcorn. <laughs> That's true. And I forgot about in that. the middle of like like field day, I guess. And she is abused left and right by these children. And she takes mm-hmm. it like a champ. I love her for that. I also love her for finding her voice and like pushing against Jerry, the for me, yes. personally, worst father in the entire yep. thing. Agreed. And we had an absentee father, and it takes two, but he's a billionaire, so I kind of almost understand it more. Right. And she, yes, like, you know, rebels against, like, her husband and, like, right. finds her voice and does the coaching thing when he's like you'll you'll never exactly like she, well, yeah so you don't know the star end that's my number one reason was her husband says you don't like you can't coach soccer and she was like want to fucking bet and then won the goddamn thing you know like she yeah. was i'm gonna do with it better than you and i, I icon she's an icon icon yeah, yeah. and i said <laughs> I, I wrote in my notes i said it is denise and i will not tolerate any slander Right, yeah. Because no, I'm she, so, like, she's amazing. fully invested in her. Our dad of the year was none other than the the hottest dad on a billboard, Max from Billboard. <laughs> yes, and I am, like, I have my reasons for picking him, at least, well, one very specific reason. Although I am saying, I will say I was a little surprised that this is where I landed, just because I was so disgusted by that, like, montage of dates where he was so racist to that w- one woman in the Nikwab. Nikwab? Is that how you say it? Yeah, it's because, I yeah. mean, it's because we are in a patriarchy that has lowered our standards to the bottom pits of hell. Yeah. If that's why. Yeah. So I, I said him specifically just for the one scene at the end where he punched Nigel in the face. That was why I said him. I also want to shout out Rick, the mailman from our lips are sealed, just because I love a man who loves his hobby. Like he is so passionate about mail. What? 
Uh, it's not a hobby. It's a career. It's true. First of all. You're right. Helene, it's a career. Get it right. Get, when he, get it right. Well, when he when he moves to Australia, it's kind of a hobby because he can't do the career. But but I see what you mean. So shout out to also, him. That was my runner up as well. Oh and, seriously? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I you liked I did not him. I knew, him. I, I knew you liked him. I, I love him. him. <laughs> I love him. He is that that joke about email and how he hates email right. because it's taking away his job. Yeah, ten out of ten like, underrated joke. Yes, he you didn't write made. that for your favorite joke though, did you? No, did you write that for your... no, no, I you did didn't. not. But you'll but, see. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! <laughs> that's a category later. Spoiler alert! But. I, I kind of want to hear your explanation as to why you picked Max as your dad of the year, though, because. OK, so for me, Max is like interesting because it's one of the only parent figures in the films that we see mm-hmm. have depth of emotion. You know, I yeah. know that like, you, you know, when you compare him to like the character of Dr. Drew in New York Minute, who also lost a wife we don't hear about how he misses his wife. We don't hear yeah. about like the little details and how in love he was with his wife. And like, right. Like yeah. the, the little details that make a story transcend, you know? Yeah. And he I did almost always... pick Dr. Drew. I'm sorry, what? I said, I did, I did almost pick Dr. Drew, but then I, I just kind of remembered that he was he's an absentee so, dad the entire time yeah well he was yeah it was so checked out from being a dad that he didn't even realize that roxy had skipped like three weeks of school in a row or whatever so that, that's mm-hmm. why i didn't end up picking mm-hmm. him but i did he did I come mean. up as an option but, and but yeah you're right the they definitely show a lot more depth of emotion and and backstory for max which well he you really also, a bit more he also like treats the twins with dignity and respect and like lets them have agency and listens to them, but is also authoritative when he needs to be, you know? And he yeah, believes, you can tell he loves them. He loves them and he believes them. And he like like D- Nigel could have just said it was doctored and he could have believed Nigel rather than his own children, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you can tell and how that, much he cares about them. And that's why my pick is Max. Also, he, you know, for an, for an older man, he's not bad looking, you know? Yeah, he was okay. Yeah, he was okay. Anyway, okay, so let's get to the worst parents. Who were the worst parents for you? I went with the couple from Holiday in the Sun. I didn't even bother to look up their names. Um, but they had some whack-ass parenting decisions in that movie. They spoiled the crap out of their daughters. If you remember, the the movie starts off with them getting pulled out of school Class to go on a, a private, private jet. Yeah, to yeah. go on a private jet and get Krispy Kreme donuts and then be told that they get a free trip to the Bahamas and them being all sad they don't get to go to hawaii but then to go on to them not even giving one single shit that the girls are going to a party or asking them where they're going to be going or where the like where the party is or anything like that they don't care at all and then if you remember in the movie they one of their tactics to like quote-unquote punish them was to like give them the silent treatment for like a day do you remember that's so childish uh i've had that happen that's also traumatizing Right. It's not how parents should treat their children. And yeah, so uh, bad parenting decisions all around in that movie. Yeah, the silent treatment only fosters trauma and like... 100%. Speaking from experience and therapy sessions. 
<laughs> right. And it's just not a useful tool for healing anything, right? Like a disagreement or any or anything. And they just like go off and enjoy themselves and ignore their kids. And it's like, well, they'll figure it out eventually. No, they won't. They're children. Right. Yeah. I yeah, it was just they were not great at parenting. Mm-mm. Yeah. All right. So that that was my rant of one of probably many rants that's going to happen in this episode. But what was your pick for worst parent? My pick for worst parents were the parents from Winning London because they are the only absentee parents that we have in the entire movie movies that we have spanned. Are they? Even the challenge, the parents still talk to them on the phone. I was literally just running through them. I was like, okay, we do get the dad in New York minute. We, we, the challenge, they're not on screen, but you do talk to them on the phone. Okay. Yeah. And also they're not like, like to me, it would be, I guess, more acceptable if the parents were not referenced or on screen Mm -hmm. on like the last Mary-Kate and Ashley movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when they're 18, 17 or 18, but when they're like, I think 14 or 15. What? Yeah. We just get literally just. The parents just like, let them go to London. No check-ins, no calls, no email, no nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is like a school function. So I understand just letting them go, but yeah, them not like checking in on them. I went to, I went to presidential classroom when I was 16 and I still talk to my parents. Presidential classroom is a week long um, program for students, usually like their senior year or junior year, some, maybe some, Uh some sophomores where you fly to DC and you stay oh. at this hotel with all these other students, kind of like the same thing as winning London, but not the it's UN. The, it's the infamous DC trip. I've there people reference yeah. DC trips in media all the time. And I'm like, what are you talking about this DC trip? So, okay. That makes sense. You, you, well, it's called presidential classroom. Like let's like, this is the almost like the official one, you know? Got it. And I went in March of 2002 so 9-11 had already happened (laughs) Mm. and it was like one of the greatest like experiences of my life you know it was great Mm -hmm. but I was like I think Mary Kate and Ashley's age then like 14 or 15 and your parents checked in on you huh (laughs) or maybe 16 and I checked in with my parents all the time I had a cell phone yeah well did they have cell phones in this no, I know they did, but they didn't. They infamously didn't use it when they needed to in winning London. Correct. It was Correct. the whole letter debacle. I forgot about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, not even email, guys. Like, yeah. I feel like maybe my parents were like, I mean, they were always very strict, you know, but like, I think I would still like check it's, up with them. It's all subtext, you know, you don't see it on screen. <laughs> But. Yeah, but we had okay. So we didn't see that on screen, but then we saw like the montage that was all photos of them studying. That was necessary. Yeah, exactly. But nothing else. Okay, cool. Understood. <laughs> yeah, and technically, if since we don't meet the parents in Winning London, they, they do introduce themselves when they're 
cross-dressing as men uh to lord james's uh, dad lord voldemort yeah. yeah as yeah so if maybe lord voldemort is their parent is their dad and that's why he which is still worst <laughs> worst parent ever honestly right, exactly yeah i would say he probably wins worst parent <laughs> but if we are going to worst parent on screen like where we have to see the parents for yeah. me comes at no surprise to anyone it would be jerry from switching goals yeah, because yeah, that man good. is the worst dad ever for me yeah i was gonna go with him but then with holiday in the sun it was both of them so i was like he, they edge no, out no, just no. a little bit because it's both you know but i understand the mom, exactly. the mom in, in switching goals is amazing so it's like yeah yeah well i understand why you chose holiday in the sun i knew exactly what you were talking about but like <laughs> right. for me if Agreed. we were yeah. doing like really a worst parent and they had to be on screen, it would be Jerry. That's a solid pick. It would be my second, my runner up for sure. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to go with love interests. Yeah. We have three categories here. We have best love interest. We have hottest love interest because best and, diff- and hottest are completely different. <laughs> Yes. And our least favorite love interest, the one we would just like swipe left. Right. It's swipe left, right? I've never used apps. <laughs> yes. I think, le- yeah, swipe right is good. Swipe out left is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, lefties are evil, righties are, you know, God's children. Oh, that's the subtext of all the dating apps for sure. Yeah. As, as a lefty, to, you know. Death to all lefties is. <laughs> death, yeah. Just, trying to trying to like weed us out trying to kill us off right they just automatically swipe left if you're a lefty you don't even get a chance it's okay i'm fine i'm fine my (laughs) dating life did not need this thank you very much anyway who are we swiping right on do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? okay for me uh continuing our winning london theme it is lord james browning jr obviously not the dad because I'm sorry, I'm a sucker for accents. He was very smart. He yeah. like literally put his team's, you know, fate mm-hmm. in the balance to get to, was it Chloe? He was, yeah, he was with Chloe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, with Chloe, to Chloe because he knew that his father had done an unspeakable act of game, like he wasn't very like gamesman, yeah. whatever. And I just like an accent. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. The, also, the actor for that one gets me. I love him. Oh, but I yes, love he was him. my he was my runner up. I have an honorable okay. mention to Lord James. Um, I feel like my runner up is your main one. As I'm looking at your notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we did a switch up here. So my main best love interest. I chose Griffin Grayson from Holiday in the Sun, uh, and I said this in episode but i'm just a huge sucker for friends to lovers trope and i just i love that he helps scott try to get the girl that he wants just because he wants her to be happy even if it's not going to be with him and everything works out in the end and he's also really adorable (laughs) he's so cute and he's so nerdy yes he's very nerdy and he's very kind So, uh, and you said that he's your runner-up? <laughs> he is my runner-up because he's, I just love, like, a good friends to lovers, as you do yeah. as well. 
Yes. I, I mean, I do love me some enemies to lovers, but there wasn't like a really good enemies to lovers situation really. ever here. The closest we, I think, get is, you know, James and Chloe because they're from opposing teams, but that's not really like. Yeah, but they like, it's like love at first sight with them, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's not really it was lovers, more like, like an, It's more of a Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. So, yeah. which, you know. They go to the Globe Theater and do whatever. Exactly. But, exactly. I don't know. I I just love, like, a. he was such a cinnamon roll, you know? Like, he was such a good dude, and I really enjoy mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. But now for our eye candy uh, <laughs> portion of yes. this, who was the hottest love interest for you? Well... I okay, so I was bet- I was torn between two, and I'll say I'm gonna switch up the order. I was gonna say first, I have to give a shout out to Jordan from Holiday in the Sun because I feel oh, like we know that you love him because like yeah. a guitar and like whatever. And right. I I'm going to like take stills of the movie when he's like in prison, and mm-hmm. I'm going to mail you those photos. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and no, like his, a, his, and like a and like a like ornate frame, and you're right. like that is this is my boyfriend. He's doing time. <laughs> Yeah, like he has one of those. He has one of those. Like his features are so like his face like sticks in my mind. He's so like just he's so pretty. He's just a very pretty man. And so, but like I said, so it's funny because like obviously the the other love interest from Holiday in the Sun wins my best love interest, but then Jordan gets my hottest. So I'm just gonna say Holiday in the Sun has the best love interest all overall. So so if you could fuse like. Like yeah. Jordan Jordan's looks Ooh. with Grayson's personality. I mean, Grayson's hot too, but yeah, not as hot as Jordan. Yeah, I would say that would be a, a perfect man. Yeah, uh, that's like your, your Frankenstein boyfriend. Uh, I'm uh-huh. sorry, uh, Frankenstein's yes. boyfriend, not yes, you know, because Frankenstein. So, yeah, I is think the, do- the, I, so the it, doctor. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Frankenstein monster. Yeah, so. Yes, I I have to shout out Jordan because I think he's like the most uniquely pretty. But if we're talking like overall hot, like objectively hot, and I I see that you said him as well, but Trey from New York Minute, objectively hot. (laughs) Sure, he was okay with a dog being thrown out of the window, but I have to, I have to push that aside. Okay, that's why he's really best. That's why best and hottest are different. <laughs> yeah. He, the moment he has shirtless. Oh, the best. Oof. The best thing ever. Best. I loved it. Loved it so much. God bless. Yeah. One of the best scenes. Thank you so I've much, whoever made. came up with that scene. Thank you. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we can agree also, on that. Also, it was that. like the horniest. Oh, we forgot like a category. Horniest movie. New York Minute. Yeah. <laughs> that one wins by a landslide. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely the horniest movie. It should get its own category just for that because it is the horniest movie. Okay, so from horniest to um, let's kill the mood, who was your least favorite love interest? I believe we said the same mm-hmm. one here same as one. well. What? It's Paolo from When in Rome, and I just no want to... Yeah, no one's surprised, but I also want to point out that this could be the same answer for the Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I would agree because Bruno is obviously the best in yeah. love interest in that movie. <laughs> Paolo is the worst love interest in that movie. Yeah, he is not Italian, what dreams are made of. 
Yeah, Italian men named Paolo just need to step up their game. Don't be like these Paolos, okay? Don't do it. Yeah. All right. Speaking of terrible things, let's go to our villains. We have our best villain and our least favorite villain. Let's begin. Who is your favorite villain? My favorite villain, I said Mac and Sydney from Our Lips Are Sealed, because even though they're objectively horrible at their job, they are like like they're they're the worst villains in terms of like being good at being villains. But they're the best villains, they win the best villain category for me because they are the most entertaining and like the funniest, and honestly, I they're the most likable. Uh, and they go on to starting their own business and I just that well, that scene I mean, of them sitting at the at the kitchen table with the girls, like I love that scene. Iconic, so much. yeah. Well, so. I mean, Mary Kay and Ashley inver- invented the dark web, obviously, but right, exactly, right. So th- that's why they <laughs> win my best villain. They're not good at being villains, but they're good at being fun, entertaining. Okay, villains. well, I took it a little bit more literally. I went f- with Nigel from Billboard Dad because Whoa. he is like. <laughs> I know he's like the worst, but that's what makes him the best villain, right? Like he was like siphoning money from like his his one artist and ended up like the 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 retribution or like whatever, like the what word am I thinking of right now? The justice the arc of justice was done in that movie. And I appreciate that. But he was, like, also, like, super easy to hate, which I love in villains. Okay. He wasn't very good at his job. Well, yeah, but are villains ever good at their jobs? I mean, successful ones are. Well, you know, billionaires, but Nigel was (laughs) no billionaire. He tried to be. He, he, He did want that bag. He wanted that bag, for sure. He did. All right, so who was your least favorite villain? I don't think this is much of a surprise either, but I definitely said Benny from New York Minute, um, and he automatically wins because of his awful fake racist Chinese accent that he uses throughout the movie. And he was my runner-up, girl. But, like, for me, Clarice Kensington from It Takes Two, you know, like the rich white lady, like... Like the Meredith from Parent Trap? (laughs) Yeah. Was the worst because it's one of those character tropes that set women back, like, 10,000 years. That's fair. That's fair. And, like, I would rather the villain be something else, you know, not, like, an actual woman who is, like, super money-hungry and, like, spoiled and, you know, a Karen, you know? Yeah, both of our villains, they, what's the word? They, like, support, like, bad stereotypes, basically. Mm -hmm. Correct. And they make people look bad uh when they, they shouldn't that's the short that's not eloquently said but i think you understand what i'm trying to say <laughs> all right perpetuate so perpetuate talking. that's the perpetuating. word perpetuating there you I go was like, why can't i think of this word yes they perpetuate harmful stereotypes that's what i was trying to say <laughs> thank you for that mm-hmm. all right on to side characters so we did best side character and worst side character Adri, what was your pick for best side character? My pick. 
I have I have pick and then runner up. Was Sheila from Our Lips Are Sealed because I love like her uh-huh. intro to the girls and I love her character arc throughout the movie and how she like is like fine I'll just you know go out I'll I'll make my relationship public it's not a big deal kind of thing love her mm-hmm. I have a fond spot in my heart for her she was in but, a cult though that's her one con she was in a cult yeah but I think she was the leader which to me makes it better anyway <laughs> okay well I don't know what to say to that anyway who was your runner up <laughs> I'm so glad to have caught you off guard. This is the best moment of my life sometimes, like right now. Okay. <sighs> she was a cult leader. I Both good expect- thing and a bad thing. <laughs> I didn't expect this to get such a big laugh. Oh my God. Okay. And my runner up is Keegan from Holiday in the Sun because she's like the most precocious eight-year-old or whatever-year-old no. in, in these movies that I love her so much. Yeah. I mean, great minds because she is my number one. She's she's my winner for best side character. Keegan from Holiday in the Sun takes the bag. She was hilarious. She was kick-ass. She was smart. She was like a great, smart like role model for young women. I was like, boss, I love you. And she Always also showed to that like- away. Yeah, she was like, she also showed that like smart, young, independent women, sometimes they don't need a man, you know? Exactly. I don't, remember what, I don't remember what the little kid's name was, but those little, like tiny little micro scenes of her telling the guy to get lost were so cute. <laughs> and I will still hold up this sentiment. I want a movie just about Keegan. Yeah, I'm here for the Keegan spinoff. She was my number one, but I, I did have her one runner-up as well. My runner-up, so it's funny because your main one was someone from Our Lips Are Sealed and your runner-up was Holiday in the Sun. My main one was Holiday in the Sun. My runner-up is a spe- very special guest in Our Lips Are Sealed, and it is the kangaroo from Our Lips Are Sealed. <laughs> the kangaroo whose name is escaping me at the moment. Boomer. Boomer. Thank Boomer? you. Yeah. that's not That sounds right. Yeah, specifically the scene where the disembodied kangaroo hand just puts out the The cigarette. (laughs) The cigarette. (laughs) Yeah. I just like, I love his love for Australian soap operas. I love his protectiveness of the mom uh, in getting in and hiding her smoking. Uh, And I love, he's just a, He's a supportive king because he likes to sit in their bedroom with the girls and just, you know, <laughs> hang out with them. And he's supportive of them. And I, he's just so cute. <sighs> All right. Now so we from come best to, to the worst. Mo- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry? I said from best to worst. Okay, from best to worst. <laughs> Tell me all about your worst character, side character. Yeah, I I honestly don't. You might want to go first because I can't tell. I don't know what the word you wrote means, but it might be the same person. No, no, no. It's not the same person. It's not. Okay, so I couldn't remember his name, but it's the dad's friend from Switching Goals. The one that like co-owns the sporting goods store with him. I feel like he doesn't co-own. I think he just works there. Like that's even worse. Or his just like employee or whatever. Yeah, he was a patriarchal, misogynistic little tool uh, that didn't okay, think so that, that girls. That was like that was like my runner up, you know. Like, but for me, it was like the Undertaker slash funeral home director owner oh, and switching goals because he was so creepy. He was really creepy. That's a good. Ugh, that's a good no, point. no, he was pretty creepy. Yeah, 
I mean, at least the dad's friend got like shit from Michael Sierra. That's true. That was a fun. That was a fun scene. <laughs> All right. So, from the worst side characters to the most montage-filled movie, we have a winner, ladies and gentlemen, and it's winning London, not because I think it has the most montages, like, it's not, like, the Mm -hmm. most montages in a movie, but it is the most useless montages in a movie. Yeah, the worst use of the filmmaker, like, tool in their toolbox of a montage. Like montages serve a purpose. This one abused it and made it very, they were just not good. I, I didn't know if the, the goal with this one is, was to actually like look back and at, I don't know if we actually, and if you ever went up, like ended up counting all the montages in any of the movies to figure out who oh. actually won. But yeah, no, no, no. This was more of like the worst okay. use of the montages because okay. there's, like the other ones, there's some that had a little bit more montages, but it seamlessly, yeah, fit with the plot and it made more sense. But winning London was like the one where when you can start counting montages without like, yeah, losing yourself in the plot, then you have a problem. Yeah, plus that one of them studying will, will always be burned into my mind and not in a good way. You know you know what other one is going to be always burned in my mind is the scooters. Oh, I was thinking you were going to say the, the fashion one where it looks like they're like in a basement of like a warehouse. <laughs> At least we knew that we we're going to go shopping before that one, you know? Yeah, but it was a really bad shopping montage. Yeah, but like the scooter montage. is like so fucking weird. Like there's yeah, no purpose to this. You're yeah. using a scooter in an indoor hallway. Yeah. It was unnecessary. Unnecessary. Okay. Let's go for our jokes. What was your, we're going, we have best joke and moment and then worst or not so great jokes. So let's go for the best first and then worst. Helene, what was your best joke or funny moment? I mean, it's the best thing ever in all the movies and I have not minced any words about this, and I have an ongoing beef with your husband about this. <laughs> but it is hands down the boyfriend scene from the challenge. This is like this is basically the beef between like Nicki Minaj and Megan <laughs> the Stallion. Like, come yes. to this podcast. Yes, I will die on this hill. The boyfriend scene from the challenge is the best moment in every single. Mary Kate Nash movie ever, hands down. No, no questions asked. Okay. Well, <laughs> my my best joke was not intended as one, but I'm still going to, you know, say it was the best joke. It is that uh, scene where they're uh, going through the Louvre and like the <laughs> paintings start flying off the wall and like they look like they ran out of the special effects budget midway through. Yeah. I I would say not midway through. Within the first three seconds of this yeah. month of, of the right. scene. Right. And yeah, it was not intended as a joke, but friends, this was the biggest joke of all. Yeah, I would say it's definitely one of the most memorable things ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> in existence. <laughs> all right. So not so great joke or moment, please. I this move this one just like jumped out of my mind when I was trying to think of things for this category. Do you remember the scene in Winning London 
where they're all supposed to be like sequestered to their hotel room. And because they have been kidnapped, right? Yeah, they've been like kidnapped by like NATO or whatever. Or like from their na- whatever. You know what I mean? Like the the terrorists like kidnapped them, quote unquote. And <laughs> NATO kidnapped them. <laughs> I I can't remember. It's yeah, whatever. Uh <laughs> so they're all supposed to be sequestered in their hotel room and Riley and Brian, I think were their names, go to break them out and do their little James Bond scene. And the way that they <laughs> succeed is because the chaperone, the guy, Mr. Holmes, or was it, yeah, is it Mr. Holmes? Because there's Holmes and Watson. Yeah, it was anyway. Mr. Holmes because, you know, there was like a yeah. Watson Holmes joke in yeah, there. Yeah, huh? exactly. He is supposed to be watching them and he just makes love to a pizza like not 10 feet away from the door and is so engrossed in this fucking pizza that he doesn't recognize, he doesn't realize like that there are what, like four or five different teenagers like walking out right in front of his face. Like that was the dumbest thing. So stupid. I don't know if it is actually, I don't know if it is actually the worst joke, but it was the one thing that really stuck with me when I started to think about this category. So I'm saying it's the worst. For me, it was the joke montage from Our Lips Are Sealed when they're in a victorious yacht. Yeah, it was like really corny jokes that are said straight to the camera. Nope. What was that? Cannot. Cannot. No, I was just like retching. Like, what? Cannot handle that I thought you just like burped. I was so confused. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it it was a really bad scene. All right, so now we're going with our favorite quote. For me, the mm-hmm. my favorite quote didn't come from any of the twins. It came from the character of Diane in It Takes Two, and it's referring to how, you know, she met Roger, and she's, like, kind of smitten, and everyone's like, go for it. And she's like, no, 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 I can't, because guys like him – like girls with food names, cookie, muffin, candy. And I was like, chef's kiss, great commentary on like the kind of, you know, social strata and like their names. And I just love the character of Diane so fucking much in this movie. All I have to say to that is, I want candy. Do, 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 okay, do, do. continue. <laughs> that is not your favorite quote, so continue. No, my favorite quote is one that we referenced like multiple times throughout the entire season. And it comes iconically from the very first movie we covered, Passport to Paris. And it is at the beginning. And they say, she was totally edging on my squeeze. So I dinged her with a bounce bounce in the numbers lab. And it's just iconic. It's just iconic. You know, and I feel like you had said from about this movie, like, who speaks like that? No Did one does. Writers, not, not one person. Yeah. And still, you chose that because you, it grew on so, you. it's so, so weird. It's so weird that it's wonderful. It's wonderfully weird. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's so bad it's good? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, I like understand I that like part. It. Like, <laughs> my entire <laughs> life is like me loving things that are so bad they're good. <laughs> right. Exactly. Are you ready to get to our most fashionable section of categories? Because yes, please. This is the uh, the costuming, if you will, section. Yes, 
Yes. So I, I, what was your favorite, please? Right. So the categories I dubbed as fashionista supreme and fashion victim supreme. Okay. So fashionista, fashionista supreme. I have two. Um, the first one I'll say is the, okay. I'm trying to figure out which one to say first. Cause technically my first one is I think going to be yours. So I will switch them up. I will say the first one as Chloe's long leather burgundy trench coat, which gave a lot of Buffy vibes to me. Long burgundy leather trench coats are just iconic to me, but hers are paired with like a beanie and like some plaid pants. I just loved her look overall in Winning London. So that's one of them. The other I have to say is the girls matching black outfits with the pink and blue backpacks and then the alternate alternative alternated blah, 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 blah. the alternated uh pink and blue uh round sunglasses that they wear in passport to Paris I my fashionista supreme moment was fa- passport to Paris specifically those like spaghetti strap dresses that mm-hmm. the yeah. um ambassador grandpa gives yeah. them at the end chef's kiss that was love it I was when I when I was writing down My first thought was Passport to Paris for sure. And I was between the matching black outfits with the backpacks or those dresses. And I decided to go with the black outfits with backpacks. So I'm glad that you did the dresses because they deserve some recognition as well. They were very iconic. It's just so cute. So like 90s headed towards the millennium type look. And they like one of them was red and the other one was black, right? I believe so. It was so cute. Loved it. Yeah, Not for very, me, very, obviously, very right now, but like it's cute on them. But, I would have worn them back in the day. Also, the backpacks were a big point of contention with me, as you know, if you listen to the show. Yes, I was obsessed yeah. with those backpacks. <laughs> so, of course, it was. I was always going to be passport to Paris. Yeah, for me, I think the thing that nailed the backpack sunglass combo was I just loved the little detail that the the you know twin that had the pink backpack had the blue sunglasses and the, the twin that had the blue backpack had the pink sunglasses I just thought that was oh, a cute, love that. really yeah. really good touch I just loved it anyway from great fashion choices to awful fashion choices what was your fashion victim supreme moment why don't you go first? So for me, it was Kelly in the challenge specifically. That challenge where she was wearing a visor and like oh mom my God, shorts, and she looked like she was like a mom who had a son or daughter in golf, and like she was yes. really into golfing, golfing, and she was like yeah. going to go ham on them if they didn't like <laughs> do whatever golfing entails. I don't know anything about sports, but you know. <laughs> Golf words. Golf words. Walk green club. Put. Put. Four. Uh, ball? Grass. Yeah, I don't know. What's that little puff on the, <laughs> uh, like, on the, <laughs> on the hats? Oh, palm? I don't know. Yeah. Like, hat palm? I don't know. Golf cart? Caddy, 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 yeah. T. Anyway, those are all the golf words that I can think of right now. Little flag, hole in one, course, course is one that we didn't say. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, so I would agree, Kelly with with the the bitchy girl. Yeah, 
I would agree that was a pretty bad one. What was yours? I went with both Jane and Roxy's cultural appropriation outfit montage in the House of Bling scene of New York Minute. I cringe to this day thinking about it. You mean the ones they ended up in or the montage outfits More before the montage. they ended up? The, the montage. Okay. The ones I ended up okay. in. Like, Ro- I didn't like Roxy's, the one that Roxy ended up in. I didn't like. It was like the really tight Yeah, but like, you and red. I really like Jane's. <laughs> but Jane's was good. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. end up going with the end products because Jane's actually, I think, won my fashionista of the week for that episode. But but yeah, no, the montage of the really, really, really racist and appropriate outfits, those, those get my fashion victim supreme. Okay. Okay. Now, the let me go back. Now, most of the movies that we've watched have a travel component. So for this next category, we're going to talk about the actual setting we would like to visit. So this is more of a personal question and not a category. (laughs) I mean, obviously mine is Evansville, Indiana from Switching Gold. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, like in Holiday in the Sun, they're like in Illinois or something. Yeah, they're before like they in go to snowy Illinois. Yeah, yeah, the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's where I want to go. Yeah, no. So, no. <laughs> what setting would you like to visit the most? Well, it's always been very near the top of my bucket list. Um, I've always wanted to go to to London, so I picked winning London for the for the setting uh if they had done a movie in greece then that would have been my number one but they didn't uh although they should because i'm just thinking they should have done like fancier like what they should have done like a mamma mia right yeah like (laughs) gotta meet a really hot greek man on the beaches of santorini but they didn't do that so uh london it is for me what about you well i'm a basic bitch I feel like everyone already knows this about me. So as a basic bitch, immediately, I have to say Paris or Paris, whichever. Have have you been to Paris? No, I haven't. I want to go. It's part of my bucket list. Mm, Okay. As a basic bitch. Again, again, as a basic bitch. I've been to Paris. I was there for six hours. I hate you so much still. It was... It was not the best experience of my life. I'm sure that Paris has a lot to offer, but I will say the entire city has a, has a, a odor, smell, a smell, an odor. Yes. Odor. Yes. Yes. Uh, the minute I stepped off the plane, I, I definitely was just hit in the face with it, which I'm not trying to offend any Parisians or, or, or French listeners. I, it just was not. I was not expecting it. It was also very, very many years ago. So it's very possible things have changed. Uh, but it was okay. it was unpleasant. Well, girls trip 2025. Yeah. <laughs> my, mom and I, my mom and I had a six-hour layover in Paris on our way to Israel when I was, I think I was like 15 minutes or something. And we decided to use the six hours to jump on a train from the airport to the Eiffel Tower, we stopped at one bakery to get a croissant and looked at the Eiffel Tower for 15 seconds and then got back on the train and went back to the airport. That was, what, well, that was at my At least you got to see it, you know? Yeah, I saw it and then I left. <laughs> we didn't go in. We, we, we were like, you know, a long way away well, from it, but we saw it. <laughs> well, and, the, and also you wouldn't have to go see the Louvre because you saw it in Passport to Paris. So I saw a, a perfect rendition. rendition. Yes. Yeah. Perfect rendition. That's exactly like if I go to the Louvre and 
And it doesn't look exactly like that movie. <laughs> and the paintings don't start like flying off the walls. <laughs> then I will ask for a refund. I will riot. <laughs> Lou better give me my damn money back if those paintings stay on those walls. I also... <laughs> Could you imagine me going up to their security and be like, so where's the acid tablets? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I need some LSD to get through this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So terrible. Oh, God. <laughs> well, well, you know, again, like I said, 2025, Helene, could be our year to go to Paris. Hey, I need to get I mean, a passport first, but we, then we can make our own passport to Paris. That's true. I actually renewed my passport last year, so I'm set. However, we should make it a, a combo trip and also go to London. We could do that. I mean, I also want to go to Spain. So we're going to need like three weeks. <laughs> yeah, let's go to Spain. Let's go to Barcelona. Let's do it. I want to go to España so bad. Oh, yeah. It is like literally like if they had done a Spain movie, that would have been my answer. And like, then we it is... can go to Rome and get some gelato. Mm. And stay away from all men named Paolo. Yeah, no, no Paolos. We'll just make shirts that say, if your name is Paolo, stay away from me. Stay away from me. Yeah, <laughs> you are not what dreams are made of. I will make that same exact joke again because you didn't laugh the first time. So <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's good. I must not have heard you. No, yeah, you were definitely not hearing me. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of hearing, let's talk about the best soundtrack, which wow, we agree on. It is "Holiday in the Sun" with the band Play being prominently featured on this. Oh yeah gem i will my i mean i chose it yes that was great but i mainly chose holiday in the sun because weezer weezer was well yes used to be one of my all-time favorite bands and their song holiday in the sun as the main soundtrack opening was it's just iconic so yes yeah i'm still waiting for holiday in the sun too as new york minute led (laughs) us to believe right i mean it better show up soon i'm done waiting for it (laughs) it has been more than 18 years guys (laughs) Exactly. Jesus. Oh yes. Well, we're we're all, we're dwindling down our categories. We have we we only have Amir. three more to go. So, like in the Oscars, that like like in the Oscar Oscars. Oh my God! What yeah, is Oscars. wrong with us? What is Oscars? Oscars. <laughs> like in the Oscars. <laughs> Can you tell I'm exhausted? Like in the Oscars, uh, we're going to start like slowing things down a little <laughs> now that we're done with the mo- most of them. Now, our next category is Best Feminist Moment, which, you know, as a podcast with two women hosts and an occasional white man, uh, is really important. Yeah. So. I, I'll go first. I, I went with Layla and went in Rome. Because, like I said, she's, you know, an icon. She's a feminist icon. And uh, I just, it's honestly, it's not even just one moment. It's really all of her in that movie. I couldn't narrow it down. I, I, I had to pick one specific moment, I guess, like when they're sitting in the gelato shop and she basically tells him that he's a fucking slacker and that he needs to get his shit together. Because I was like, girl, tell it as it is. I love it. I support it. Yeah. So my best, my favorite uh, feminist moment was when Riley 
tells Lord What's-His-Face that she isn't going to clean after Lost Boys when he shows her the P- Peter Pan statue. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. you go, Queen. I do remember that vaguely, but I do remember you really liking that when we talked about it in the episode. Wait, was it Chloe or Riley? Whichever it's one it was. It's Cl- Chloe. Is the, yeah, it's Chloe. All right. So, you know, whatever. Guys, I meant <laughs> Chloe. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's go to our penul- penultimate category which is our least favorite movie or worst overall movie however you want to call it for me it was when in rome and me as well even though i have been chatting up layla this entire time it still was by far the worst written um, and executed movie of all of them by far yeah agreed agreed paolo just like what a drag but yeah, also everything just, else was like it had the makings of a quote good quote unquote movie, but it just it didn't come together. It was just not well directed or written at all. I don't. Yeah, there, it was sad. I, I think like it, it what what I say when when I say that it had all the elements there, I mean like there's like you know, an internship, a competition towards the end. There's mm-hmm. like, um, you know, a billionaire. There's like all these things that could have made it real. No, no, things that could have made it really interesting. Yeah. Like when you consider something like the Lizzie McGuire movie, which came a little bit later, it's it holds it up like, much better it was like than four when it months. Was. It was like four months later. It was not that. Much I think later. it was like a whole year, girl. Calm down. No, it was literally like I think it was. We I did the research. I can look it up. It was very soon after. Okay, I um, went in Rome. I have it right here. Let me find it in the notes. Uh, when in Rome was a 2002 movie, and the Lizzie McGuire movie was a 2004, I believe. A uh, 2003. Yeah, but it was like December, like versus March or something. It was very May. close. So five months. Anyway, they were probably even shooting it at similar times for all we know. It's just it didn't have. Right. I have. Yeah, I have less released less than six months before the iconic Lizzie McGuire movie also set in Rome. It also features love interest. Yeah. So, yeah, it's less than six months. Yeah, it was it was probably produced and filmed at around the same times as the Lizzie Mm -hmm. McGuire movie. It just it, it just didn't do it for me. I, at least we got one good movie about a teen being in, in Rome. Rome with a guy named Paolo. <laughs> Ugh. Worst Paolo <laughs> ever. And then we have our final category, the best overall movie. Helene, you and I have a difference of opinion here. <laughs> yes, much to my chagrin. I was really hoping you were going to come to the dark side and pick my favorite, but you didn't. I did not, but I only, only because the one that I picked really slightly edged the other one out. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, even though, and we were talking about this off mic, I didn't, it didn't take a lot of my best categories, surprisingly. I still by far think that it's the most enjoyable and like best acted movie and I went with The Challenge. Um, it's been my favorite since day one, since it came out, and all the way back in, like, what, like, 2002 or whatever it was. And I, I love it to death. It's just uh, has a special place in my heart. 
Go rewatch the challenge if you haven't watched it in a while. It is worth it. For me, it was the charming movie It Takes Two with the Olsen twins and Christy Alley. Just, it, mm-hmm. what can I say? Stole my heart. Like, the character of Vincenzo it was like my runner up, I, and I forgot to say this, for my best side character. Okay, okay. He's like a butler who's like really, you know, like yeah. He's like the butler in passport, or he's like the butler in uh in the pear trap. Yeah, I was gonna say like the one from Passport to Paris was not that involved. I didn't. Yeah, I meant, to say, I meant to say pear trap. It was a P. I meant to say pear trap, and not Passport to Paris. Yeah, yeah. This one though lived with the dad, not the mom, obviously, because it's you know, <laughs> yeah, different. Anyway, that's it. That's our. Those are our first ever. The gummy award goes to. <laughs> it takes two and uh, the challenge. <laughs> yes, we have a tie. We have yeah, a tie. I wonder if. Yeah, I don't know if maybe in the future maybe we like need to agree on like a, an overall gummy award or something. I don't know. Well, what I was thinking was that we could set the categories and the nominees, and then have the listeners vote. Like the Academy. The listeners would be the Academy? Okay, because I was going to say, it's not audience participation in the Academy, but there is the, the, yeah, okay, I see what you mean. Our audience is the Academy. We just set the (laughs) nominees. Yes. Well, either way you cut it, Ashley and Olsen, Ashley and Olsen, Ashley and Mary-Kate are EGOT winners in our hearts. Oh, in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. That's the end. That's it. But yeah. before we leave, we still have one section to cover that is not award related. <laughs> and that is yes. the media we've been consuming lately. Helene, tell us all about what you've been watching, listening to, and you know, enjoying your free time with this uh, last couple of weeks that we haven't talked to you. Yes. Well, I have been devouring every bit of Sex in the City just to, um, you know, just got. The reboot left. I watched both of the movies over the weekend. Um, finished the series, so that's that's mostly what I've been watching. However, the Traitor season two premiered a couple weeks ago, and that is one of my favorite reality competition shows. It's very new, obviously, it's only the second season, but I hi- it's on Peacock. I highly recommend going to watch that. It's very very entertaining. And then the new Percy Jackson show on Disney Plus. This first season is just ending soon i think there's only like one episode left but it's a i I think it's a very good adaptation of the books Uh, i do think it could be a little bit more fun but that's just my opinion the actors are amazing the writing is good it's fun and then i thought you would be interested in this and i'm not and i'm sure you've also been watching this but there is a new a couple new episodes of the new season of uh law and order svu that came out recently that i've been watching First of all, I did another new episode of SBU, so now I'm just going to go head over to Peacock and uh, Mm -hmm. watch this. Yeah, there are two, I think. There are two new episodes, I think. It's season 25. Season 25. Law & Order SBU is one of my favorite procedurals of all time. Yeah, it's good. I think, actually, I think Law & Order might have been the first procedural I ever watched. Mm. So I don't know if it was the first for me, but it's definitely one of my favorites. So that might also be the reason why I 
hold it in such high regard, you know? And then, yeah. then I went through a phase where I was like obsessed with law and order everything, <laughs> like criminal intent, like law and order original, all of it. Because it's yeah. just there's something so satisfying about a procedural. Yeah, for some reason, I've tried a couple of different versions of Law and Order, but SVU is the only one that stuck for me. But I do like a lot of other different types of procedurals. Uh, it's just, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Dick Wolf is like a billionaire if he's not, you know? Oh my God. And if yeah. he's not, he surely is on his way. What was I going to say? What I have been watching has been Percy Jackson. I've been watching the the new Disney Plus adaptation. Loved it. Love the casting. It's yeah. much more diverse than the movie adaptations. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love it. I have been reading. Well, I actually just finished reading um, in the last couple of weeks. Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. You got to tell me about it. It's on. It's my next one on my TBR. It's loaded on my Kindle, ready to read. I fucking need you to read it. Okay, because you liked it. Yes. Yes. And I liked it so much I already read Iron Flame. Oh, you already finished Iron Flame too? Okay. Okay. I have one question so for you. I, so I need you to fucking read it. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> it's loaded. It's I mean, listeners can't see this, but this is literally I it's preloaded. Okay. It's the next Okay, good, good, good. So anyway, I have one question for you. Yes, ma'am. Please rate the spiciness on a scale from one to five. The first book? Yes. Three. Hmm. The second okay. book, four and a half. Ooh. Okay. Stop doing this to like, me. You did this to me with Quarter Forms and Roses too. You were like, the first one is not as is not in, in as is not it, but the second one is it. And so I was like, okay, I gotta read the first one. I gotta read the so second. like if you like Sarah J. Mass, is what I will say, then I mean, you will fucking things- love this. There are things I like about the about her, and there are things I dislike about her. Okay, tell me that what you dislike, and I'll tell you if you'll dislike this. the The main things I dislike about Sarah J. Mass is that she uses certain phrases like no, every you won't, other you sentence. Won't hit it. You, no, you okay, because it's literally the the thing that bothers me the most, and I would groan audibly every time. Like once it got to like the third, fourth book, is when she she uses the thing of like. I swore she said this, or I swore I saw this. It's like, just say that you saw it or that she said it. I don't, like, we don't, like, just say it. The only thing that, the only thing that I can tell you, because I, obviously, I, sorry, my cat in. Alvis, get down. Get down. I'm leaving at this end. I'm leaving it in. Okay, that's fine. All right, go ahead. That's part of the charm. A small cat interruption. <laughs> okay. So the one thing I will say, because I, you read it on your Kindle, I listen to it on mm-hmm. Audible. So sometimes mm-hmm. when things are written for me, they annoy me more than when like I'm listening to it. Because really? when I'm okay. listening to it, it's almost like, it's like that for me, an audiobook is the perfect in between a movie and a book. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Where it's like, I am I not actively reading the thing and it's being narrated to me and being like almost acted out, but I don't have a visual medium that forces me to 
think of characters in just a certain way. It allows me to imagine whatever I want to imagine. So like for me, it's like that sweet spot between book and and adaptation or like film media, right? So the one thing that I will say she does like repeat a lot, and this is not even a, a spoiler, right? Is fuck this. Oh, well, that's not bad. I'm okay when she with gets that. mad, like when the because it's a first person narr- narrator, so when uh-huh. the character like she gets, I think it's a per- well, it follows just very closely her point of view. It's not a, I don't think it's first person now that I'm thinking about it. I think it's second person, but it's just following her, not someone else ever. It was like like Pharaoh from yeah, yeah. So she'll go like fuck this when she's pissed off or like when someone tries to control her she's like yeah fuck this i would prefer like, that I like i swore that he said this or i swore that i saw out of the corner of my eye just like yeah it's a stupid trope and also like her bowels tur- turning watery like stop don't use that phrase more than twice in your five book series okay. well, like I, like that's- <laughs> That is your tech. I get it. But like, I feel like maybe, I mean, the setting is completely different that the, mm-hmm. everything is completely different from like, I know they get, a, I know they get compared a lot, you know, the Court yeah. of Thorns and Roses and like the fourth wing series. Yeah. But to me, they're completely different type of books. Just because you have magical creatures in them doesn't make them all the same kind of book. Well, they're, like, they're this both romanticy, right? Yes, but it's not. But there's more. Like the lore is not even remotely similar. Like there are no like fairies or anything like that. Fairies there are dragons. dragons. Yeah. Huh? It says fairies what? versus dragons. I just said it's fairies versus dragons. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not. But there's. In this, the lore is completely different, and also the the way we meet our characters are completely different. And this, I feel like, Fourth Wing is almost like if Harry Potter and uh, like other romanticies had a baby, because it is a the setting is a war college, and she is training to be a. Okay. Flyer. Like a like so, a dragon flyer in a war. So it's like it's like an ar- it's like like she enlisted in the army, you know? Okay, so Well she do you, okay, honestly she enlisted on the Air Force is really the <laughs> Yeah, the okay. Air Force with dragons instead of planes. Yeah. So would you say do you like Fourth Wing better than A Court of Thorns and Roses or do you like A Court of Thorns and Roses better? To me they're completely I know people like, like I said, I know people talk about them in the same breath, like they're the same thing. And to me, they're completely different books because the tensions are completely different. This, like both books end up in conflict that is a war, right? But not, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to be married off to this like fairy duke king whatever you know like you know it's not like that it's i enlisted in the army and slowly i'm beginning to realize that the empire that i am protecting is corrupt okay i mean i've definitely read it 
to me, to me, Fourth Wing is way more political than a Court of Thorn and, Thorns and Roses. Okay. Okay. It's like, Even though it's literally like a, there's the word court is in <laughs> the, except the word, it, it's just funny because the word court is literally in the, um, in yeah, all but, of the but this is To me, this is way more revolutionary and political than any of those books were. Cool. All right. Maybe so. we should do a, an acupolitics for fourth wing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If anyone's interested in that, we could do that. <laughs> amazing all right so yeah it's i it's one of those books that i couldn't stop listening to and i at every point was like i need to know what happens next (laughs) and i've been avoiding spoilers for literal years now oh yeah i haven't i haven't seen any spoilers yet so i should probably read it before i get spoiled i'm honestly shocked i didn't get spoiled for um a court of thorns and roses because uh i uh, instagram algorithm kept on popping up and randomly serving me lots of uh, memes that definitely should have spoiled me but they didn't that uh, that book two twist uh, <laughs> my heart yes i love it in a court, yeah, a court of mist and fury, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. That well, is, there's, uh, yeah. I will tell you, there's no such twist in Fourth Wing, so like it's, it's just like a different reading experience. That's okay. I mean, honestly, the twist was really one of the main things that even made a court of thorns and roses like unique, so palatable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because let me tell you, if that twist <laughs> hadn't happened, I'd be so fucking mad. I would have been yep. throwing all my books out. I would have been like, this is not the level of romance that I want. This is not like, this is very like 80s romance of possessive, like behavior that I don't think is romantic at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was, no one likes tampon anyway. Anyway, no, it, it, I'm not saying everyone <laughs> needs to be a cinnamon roll, you know? Not every romantic hero has to be a cinnamon roll. They could have dark pasts and, and and reasons and, you know, look like a villain at first maybe. But, like, I draw the line at, like, domestic violence, okay? Yep. And, uh, yeah, I agree. And with that note, as the poets of NSYNC have already told us, generations of us, bye-bye-bye. Growing Up Millennial is an independent entertainment podcast hosted and produced by Helene Karp and Adrian Wilson. Our conversations in every episode fall under Section 107 of the Copyright Act, identifying criticism and comment of copyrighted material as examples of activities qualifying as fair use. Helene Karp manages our social media. Adrian Wilson edits our audio and does all our graphics. You can let us know your thoughts by emailing us at gummypod at gmail.com. That is G-U-M-M-Y-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at gummypod. And we are also a newsletter. Go check us out at gummypod.substack.com.